0: Hi everyone, you're listening to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me as always is my co-host, Thala Irakoglu. Hello! A few weeks have gone by during the pandemic and in the before times where I haven't thought about packing up and moving across an ocean to try something new, and I can't imagine that I'm the only one. This week we're joined by two women who made the jump to leave the U.S. before COVID hit to talk about what it's really like to move abroad. Joining us from Bogotá is Catalina Mayorga, founder of El Camino Travel and co-founder of the Casa Violeta Guesthouse in Nicaragua. And Rachel Coleman, a social media strategist and one of our former traveler colleagues, is joining from her apartment in Berlin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks
1: Thanks for having us. So I want to start with a question that is very much for the both of you, which is, what has the last year been like for you both, especially with travel restrictions and COVID precautions limiting your movement?
2: I mean, I feel like the last year has been just general chaos and <laughs> a lot of time spent at home, like it has been for everyone. That's actually like one of the interesting things about living abroad right now is life is seems to be the same no matter where you are, um, because everyone is at home working from home every day and daily life um, hasn't really changed that much. Last year, I was basically in my second year in Berlin, and basically found myself being stuck in a, a city that I hadn't really spent much time in because the year before that I was traveling all the time in my new home of of Europe. So it's been it's been a a very eye opening year where I've learned a lot about myself, but also this place that I've chosen to be my my new
3: hometown. Yeah, it's been a. Uh whirlwind of emotions to be fully transparent i think i've been i've been reflecting on you know what are the feelings i've been feeling um there's a lot i think a lot of people are feeling sadness one of the feelings i i really have recognized is grief for you know what i thought 2020 was going to be um especially you know as a growing travel company um but also there was just incredible opportunity to just be reflective, to be thoughtful. I actually got semi-stuck in Nicaragua. So when all of this went down in uh, mid-March, we were in Nicaragua working on a project and opening up the Casa Violeta guest house. And we decided to, to stay and commercial flights stopped in early April and didn't come back till October. There's a lot of foreigners in Nicaragua, a lot had left. But there was a small community that stayed and we really got to know each other over the last year. And we built our own bubble and own community. And that is something I probably would have never done back home or um, in any other country. And so I feel really lucky that I had this, this community with me while processing all these emotions.
1: Rachel, you mentioned that being grounded in Berlin, even though you had technically already been living there for a year, it was the first time you actually started to get to know the city. What was it like getting to know the city when it was pretty much all closed down and sort of operating in this sort of strange half-existence that all major cities have been for the past year?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really weird. In in Berlin, the city is known for its culture. So the nightclubs, the, the art, the museums, the concert halls, those are all what make Berlin Berlin. So to have that kind of taken away and, and closed down was just really strange. But for me, that meant exploring nature. Um, I noticed that Berlin is full of lakes, um, full of forests, and I still haven't been to half of Berlin at this point. Um, but being able to discover that and, and really like get to know the place um, has been incredible. And I don't think I would have ever Stop to actually realize that had I would not been put in this position where I, I was forced to. I mean, I don't want to say I'm thankful for the last year. Of course, it's been absolutely terrible and, and heartbreaking for everyone. But um, if I have to find a positive, I guess that would be one of them.
0: I want to take it back, like way back to before you moved. and. Ask you both what first made you want to move abroad? Like, what was the spark that set it off for you, Catalina, to go to Colombia and you, raged to go to Germany?
3: So, for me, it, it was always an aspiration to live abroad. I, you know, I started my career in international development and then have a travel company. So, I was always traveling three weeks at a time, you know, two weeks at a time and, and getting, you know, that experience. But that really felt different from actually living in a destination, in a location. And I felt like I was just getting like teasers, like, oh, this is what it could be to live in Colombia." My family's Colombian. I've been going there my whole life. And I just had this something in me since, you know, middle school, actually, I was like, I am going to live in Colombia, where my parents are from, for some time, for a few years. And so you know, I'm in my mid thirties at this point. It was just one of those moments where it just felt right. If we were in DC, the energy was not so fun. Um, It was, you know, 2018. And we finally just decided if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. So we need to take the leap and do it. And I would say we didn't do it right away. We took time to plan it out and be very, very thoughtful. I mean, we had been in D.C. for 11 years, so we had a lot tying us down and we had to really think through, you know, what it meant to go live abroad without any definitive timeline. I studied abroad in college,
2: which we also talked about in a previous Women Who Travel podcast. But after getting like that that taste, that teaser of what it's like to live in another country, I was hooked and wanted to do it as soon as I as soon as I could again. And after seven years in New York, I was kind of just feeling a bit of burnout with the city and also with the the state of US politics at the time. And I really wanted to finally make this happen. And yeah, I mean, it was a question of if not now, when? Like, I can't keep putting this off. Um, If you have a dream, you have to go for it now. That's one thing this this last year has taught me. Mm -hmm. Um, So after making that decision and really sticking to it. I started looking for jobs um, because I knew I, I wouldn't be able to move abroad without without a job or a company to sponsor my visa since I'm American. And that process took about, let's say, six months. Um, I think I got really lucky in that sense. But after that, it was just like, okay, we're doing this. Uh, no regrets. <laughs> let's see what happens. And it's been two years, and I haven't looked back more than... Maybe
1: one time. Rachel, you just sort of touched on this a little bit, um, talking about the visa process and getting your visa through a job opportunity. But there's obviously a lot of a prep process that goes into moving abroad. And I think that can often seem incredibly daunting to people and put people off, especially financially. What was that process like for the both of you and... How much do you think you knew going into it and how much do you wish you'd known in retrospect?
3: So I, we chose Columbia because I have double citizenship there. So it was easy to move there. Um, my husband could get residency pretty quickly. We we got residency for him with, in three weeks. So obviously very different from the United States. But I think what's really surprising is People think they can, let's just take Colombia as a very specific example, because I know a lot of people are interested in, you know, moving to Medellin is a huge digital nomad city, but they think they they can go move there indefinitely and that it's not that at all. You know, it's six months max in Colombia. It's, they're pretty hard on being able to extend that. You You have to do an investor visa. So I think, I don't know if there's assumptions around it or even some sort little bit of privilege, but we just forget that like, it's, you can't just go pick up and move abroad, you know? And so I think understanding the reality around that, because that has been from others in Colombia that, um, that I know that's been a little shocking for them that they can't just extend their visa. Nicaragua is a different story, but you know, in Colombia, for example, so. Um, just understanding really well, like what is the visa process in the country? Is it something you realistically can achieve? You know, can you save up 25000 50000 to invest if you want to in the country, if you want to stay longer? Uh, because that's sometimes what it takes in, in certain countries. Um, and then if not, is this something, you know, you're here for, you're in one country for a few months, you go to another, just trying to really map it out and be realistic about um, the countries you wanna visit and and following their rules and regulations and their laws. Um, so it was easy to go to Colombia in particular, because as I said, I have citizenship. Um, there's other difficulties that you deal with, but you know, with the visa process for me, that was pretty straightforward.
0: What was the financial lead up looking like for you, Catalina, um, and your husband when you guys were selling your house in DC and making all of those moves, how were you preparing to make this move to Columbia in that way?
3: Yeah, so the other big reason we decided to move abroad, it it was you know, now or not ever was also for my husband and that he had this, he had been writing a book for seven years. And so Columbia was obviously a place where, you know, DC, we could never survive off of my salary alone, but in Columbia, absolutely. So we really had a budget. We mapped that out. We, we looked at this as like a sabbatical for him, you know, and so giving him that opportunity uh, to be able to take that leap and, and pursue something he was passionate about. Um, he, had, he had supported me and, and my passions and starting a travel company. So that was a, definitely a part of the planning and calculation of moving to Columbia. We wanted to move to a place where we wouldn't be financially stressed um, because that would ruin the experience abroad.
0: And Rach, how about you? What was was the planning once you had locked in the job? What was the planning for moving to Berlin like and the decision-making there?
2: I was engaged at the time. And I told my fiancé, who's now my husband, like, okay, I want to do this. Do you think we can do it? And we pulled together what savings we had and kind of made a financial plan based on that and then decided if we're going to do this, what do the next five months look like for us financially? And we decided it was worth a a risk worth taking. Um, And we also got married uh, after a quick one month engagement, decided it would be easiest for the visa if we got married. Um, So those are the kinds of quick decisions you'll have to make when you're you're planning to move abroad. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to consider. And when I moved to Germany, There are parts of like work life that i wasn't used to for instance in europe it's common to get paid once per month on your your work paycheck um and i was used to getting paid every two weeks in the united states or in some cases every week so all of a sudden getting there and having what felt like no money and being like oh shit, what did we just do (laughs) we are surviving off of a donor kebab that costs two euros for like the fifth night in a row um that can be really daunting and stressful. But to be honest, we were so excited to be there. It was almost just like, I'm just happy to to have this opportunity. You just have to keep in mind that things will work themselves out as long as you stick with it and be responsible. The finances will will work out if you if you have a job and, and can make it happen.
1: I feel like sort of things like discovering that The cadence of paychecks is once a month as opposed to every two weeks is sort of a surprise that you would never consider until you move to a new place. And I know moving to America, I have had many surprises about how this country works that I was not perhaps prepared for or had done my research on. Um, What were some of the blind spots for both of you with Colombia and Berlin In terms of both the culture and just the way things work what what do you kind of wish you'd done a little bit more research on
2: i think i was really surprised uh, how much bureaucratic work it, it takes to move to a new country i think germany has significantly more than some other countries in europe it's kind of something that is a joke among locals in berlin So I can't speak to other countries, but in Berlin, it felt like every day for the first three weeks, we were going to some new government appointment to get some piece of paper that we then have to mail to another office and then um, get another piece of paper and mail that to another office. So it just felt like a constant um, bureaucracy training, (laughs) a quick uh, introduction into German life that I hadn't prepared for at all. I'm I'm actually very happy I didn't prepare more because I think it would have stressed me out even more. And so I just let it, let it happen. And it did work out, um, l- luckily, but yeah, it can be really daunting at the beginning.
3: Yeah. For me, taxes. So if you live more than six months in Colombia, you have to pay taxes and it's a very different tax system. So figuring that out, figuring out, um, the healthcare system, which actually happens to be a lot easier than the United States um, so that that wasn't as big of a um, that wasn't a burden but it was still a new system to figure out making appointments all in Spanish I speak Spanish fluently but I mean your medical stuff and in, in another language and making sure everyone understands and what's happening also my husband he speaks Spanish pretty well but he's not when we move was not fluent he's taken Spanish classes and he's pretty fluent now but having to translate for him and like him really depending on me for ensuring that certain things were being um, communicated well especially at his medical appointment so that i think having kind of that play that role as well uh, was something i had to get used to and i had to really be more patient you know definitely patience was was big
0: how did language factor in for your experience rachel
2: Well, I was lucky enough to find a company that was English-speaking, because I do not speak German. Um, But I did, when I was doing research about moving to Berlin, um, Berlin is a very international city and English is, at this point, almost as widely spoken as German. So to me, the idea of learning German was really exciting, but also being in a place where I knew I wouldn't feel immediately like a fish out of water who, who, having never taken a German class in my life, would, would be able to ease in slowly. Uh, I've been taking German classes since we moved here and I'm still definitely not fluent, <laughs> but um, it's been fun watching myself progress in this. Um, but when you first get here and step off the airplane, you're like, "What? what is happening? I have no idea. <laughs> people are talking to me and I don't know what to say. Um, and it's given me just so much respect to people who do this because they're forced to.
1: Living abroad is very exciting and all the stories you said, even the bureaucracy sounds exciting to me, Um, but it can also (laughs) be very lonely, especially if you don't know many people in the place that you've moved to. How did you go about making friends?
3: I would say co-working spaces. That's my biggest tip for everyone is if you're going to move to a city for a few months or so is budget in co-working spaces and you can definitely go from coffee shop to coffee shop, but you're not gonna really build relationships. And I think that was really helpful. We moved to Medellin, Colombia first. And so uh, we checked out different co-working spaces. We found one we really liked in a neighborhood called Laureles. And uh, that was a great way to meet not only people from Colombia but people from all around the world which was exciting you know we were from DC we definitely you know DC's a very international city but it was so cool to also just meet so many people from from different countries um, the other big tip i have is that a lot of these places that people go to be digital nomads and work abroad and live abroad i'm not a big fan of the word expat but a lot of the groups on Facebook are called, you know, expat in X city. And so that's a great way to um, be able to start to get to know people and get your questions answered. I will have to say, especially in a city like Medellin, there's an women in Medellin, like expat women in Medellin. I don't remember the exact title. That group is a million times better than the X other expat group. So if you can find the expat group for women in particular, we have one in Bogota as well. Always recommend that one over the other groups. It's the same in Berlin. Yeah. It feels like much more like a community and like people are there to help where the other expat groups, it's like someone will say something and all of a sudden they're just like tearing each other down and you're like, what is going on?
0: We love women only Facebook groups in yeah. this podcast. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> it's the same in Berlin. The, the women in Berlin Facebook group that I'm in is so supportive and um, even simple questions like finding a doctor that speaks English for a very specific medical issue, um, I have found these groups to be so supportive in in answering my questions. Um, I don't really know how I, w- I would survive without these groups. So go Facebook groups.
1: Yeah. <laughs> God, men just really ruin the internet, don't
0: they? <laughs> oh gosh, in so many ways. <laughs> um, Rach, how else did you make friends when you first moved to Berlin?
2: We basically asked every person we knew in New York, and I mean, basically every friend we had in the US, if they knew anyone in Berlin. Um, and we met so many people that way, just for mutual friends. My husband and I joke when we moved here for the first five months, we were going on like blind dates with other people um, every week, just like trying to, to find new friends. Um, which was a really good way to get to know the city and check out new bars and restaurants um, and also meet people, of course. That's really how I have built my community here in Berlin, just talking to mutual friends, meeting, meeting these people's friends. Gradually, you start to find the people that you really want to spend time with and together you become a group. So I feel very lucky, especially because as an adult, uh, it gets harder and harder to make friends the older you get. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, it's tough.
1: Those blind friend dates are hilarious. I did a bunch of those when I first moved to New York. And it's so funny because there's like a few people that I've actually stayed in touch with. But there are lots of people who I hung out with like twice. And then we just sort of parted ways. (laughs) Very amicably. Did not make the cut. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We didn't gel. It really is like dating. It
2: is. It is. In Medellin. So when we first moved there, we were
3: just a lot of there you know again we're in our mid 30s oh my goodness everyone was so young and we and we felt very very old and so we had to be like okay we need to find more people our age because we're at very different points in our life like these people are full on digital nomads live in the life love it but you know that what we were you know, we were at a calmer place in our life at that point so
0: You know, Catalina, you were talking about the bubble that you formed when you were in Nicaragua during COVID. I think having a community, whether you're seeing them in person or talking to them on the phone or doing Zoom happy hour or whatever with them has been so important for everyone's mental health during this time. How did that new community of people that you probably didn't expect to meet during that time uh, impact your time in Nicaragua and... And what have you taken back to Colombia from it?
3: As hard as it was, when I look back on it, I actually get like a little teary-eyed because of, it was so special, what was created. So it's actually really funny. I've been traveling to Nicaragua for tourism, for, you know, as a travel company since 2014. And so the people that were in the bubble, a few of them I had known since then. And we were good professional friends, but you know, we would hang out when I would go visit, all that stuff, but nothing more than that. What was really cool was our, our bubble was intergenerational. So there were three men, gay men in their 60s and four of us in our 30s. And just that time and hearing stories about, you know, living in New York City in the 80s and the 90s, being able to kind of, just learn from them as well was really special. And hear stories that I probably would not hear if you know we were just going on our daily lives and I was coming in and out of Nicaragua or we were seeing each other once in a while. But having these dinner parties that would last five, six hours was, was really, really special. So part of our bubble were the owners of this restaurant called Garden Cafe, and everyone would show up around five o'clock. It was our cheers of the neighborhood, socially distanced, grab your glass of wine, catch up. I feel very nostalgic when I think about Granada Nicaragua and those very long dinners and long brunches. Rachel, how's your Berlin bubble been?
2: Berlin bubble has shrunk quite a bit as we've been in lockdown for the last going on four months so um at the moment we can only hang out with one other household but um we have found our, our chosen household and <laughs> we do we do movie nights um dinners cocktails together but it, and it really feels special like it is shocking for me to think that two years ago I moved here and knew no one and now we have people that we're spending like our Time with that we're we're choosing not to spend with anyone else. That's really special to me, and it's I think it speaks to a lot to adult friendships and, and really building like community in your post twenties.
1: You might not be able to quite speak to this in the same way in the context of the last year, but since moving abroad and during this time living outside the US, how has that experience impacted the way that both of you travel? in your leisure time? Do you think it's changed the way that you choose to kind of move around the world?
2: For me, it's um, definitely changed the way I travel. I love weekend trips now, and that's something I didn't really do much of when I was living in New York. In New York, I would get two weeks of vacation a year and I would do a two-week vacation to some far-off place like Japan or or South Africa. Um, But I didn't really take advantage of just taking like a weekend off and doing something nearby. But now living in Germany, where just across the border from Poland, um, one hour flight to Italy, it's really easy to just leave work on a Friday, fly somewhere, come back on, on Sunday. So that's something that's, that's really changed my habits. And, and those, those weekends are so much needed after a work week. Um, and it's also just a way to, to explore my new home.
0: Catalina, how has living outside of the U.S. impacted the way that you travel?
3: Yeah, I think it's the phrase of the year, slow travel, you know, that is being discussed, especially in the travel industry. And I have really come to appreciate being in one destination for a good amount of time, whether it's two weeks you can define slow travel by two weeks, one month, three months, however it is. We decided it's a state of mind, but (laughs) you know, we going back to that same coffee shop, you know, in that destination, if it's San Miguel de Allende every day and getting to know your barista and feeling part of a community or feeling like you're getting to know a destination beyond just the bucket list and and in the checklist of I got to go take an Instagram here I got to do this I got to try I feel like travel beforehand it was like everyone was obsessed with Google Doc sheets right and it was like you had 10 restaurants you had to go to because everyone recommended them and it was just like one after the other and you weren't really enjoying a place or even taking time to just really be able to take it all in, whether it's like sitting in a plaza for a few hours. So I feel like slow travel is the way I want to travel moving forward. Being in one destination for a week to two weeks at a time gets me really excited now. Um, And one city, I'm not talking about like a country, but, you know, going to Tokyo for two weeks or whatever it might be. So that's definitely what I will be taking moving forward. And I will not be taking checklists or Google Doc Sheets with me moving forward.
0: I feel like you guys are on opposite ends of the spectrum, but I will say that I feel like what you were saying, Rach, so fits into how you can move around Europe when travel restrictions are not in place.
2: Yeah, at the same time, I think post-pandemic and even in the next like eight months as as things begin opening up a bit in Europe, there's going to be this, you know, remote work scenario where everyone's going to go work remotely from Barcelona, Paris, Rome for a month, two months. And you really can have this like experience of immersing yourself in a destination, finding like your local coffee shop, your local bakery, where you're not rushed to do everything in a three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something I really want to take advantage of living in Europe, at least while I can.
1: It's funny when I've been thinking about finally getting to go home, (laughs) whenever that will be, I'm already letting myself start to get carried away. And I'm like, oh, well, when I'm back, that probably means that other stuff has opened up. So maybe I'll just like go to Paris for some of it and then I'll have a weekend here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm already doing it. I'm already starting to cram too much into one trip.
0: You're already going to have too much to do in London anyway. I know. I know. I'll be drunk most of
1: the time, I think, <laughs> <laughs> like the rest of the country. I know.
3: <laughs> One big celebration. Seriously. Yes. It's like, like yep,
0: life and humanity. Rach, you mentioned that you have looked back maybe once or twice since you moved and have thought about what life looks like in the U.S. Um, after the past year specifically, how has your relationship with living abroad changed? And do you think you have thought more about moving back to the U.S.? or less than you did before?
2: I have thought much less about moving back to the US than I had before, particularly after um, the last year in the United States and the handling of the virus, unfortunately, I, I'm really happy things are turning around, but I, I kind of was in Germany and feeling very lucky to live here, um, especially where, where healthcare is free and, we don't have to worry about some of the things that people have to worry about in the United States. I mean, I miss my family terribly. Haven't seen them in two years. That is a really tough part about living abroad. So as soon as I can travel again, that'll be like number one priority for sure. But I think last year was kind of for everyone like a year that disappeared. Everything you wanted to do, nope, didn't happen. So for me, would would have been my second year living in Europe. So it was supposed to be filled with exploring new countries, new cities, new beaches, etc. And none of that happened, so I have to stay here longer. There's no choice to go home because it would have been all for a waste.
0: That is such a good attitude. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Thank attitude. I love that so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Catalina, how about you?
3: Yeah, I think similarly for some many reasons, but first seeing how the people of Nicaragua responded to the pandemic was really inspiring because they are one of the poorest countries in the Western hemisphere, but no one even thought twice about wearing a mask and protecting each other and all the businesses, the private businesses shut down within weeks and didn't open back up until June. And it was really this feeling of like, we're in this together. And we got to take care of each other. And it gave me hope for humanity being in that environment. And I think being back in the United States uh, and talking to my family and friends, especially owning a travel company, I would have probably been in a very darker place, you know, uh, mentally. And so I am very thankful for that. Um, And it's such a good reminder that the U.S., who maybe is one of the richest countries in the world, um, and has everything at its disposal can still mess things up pretty horribly. And you can learn a lot from other countries and other citizens and other people about taking care of each other and taking care of the, your community and the people around you and the world around you. And I think I will forever be thankful that I was, in majority of the pandemic, I was in that environment. You
0: know, obviously, you guys have been zipping around your respective continents and then also staying very much put um, over the past two, three years that you have been living abroad. Uh, If people want to follow what the next year, two years, three years looks like for you, where can they find you on social media?
3: Yeah, my personal Instagram is at the YouFinder and my company's at El Camino Travel and at the Casa Violeta. So I will be keeping up to date there.
2: And I'm at at Rachel E. Coleman on Instagram and all other channels.
0: I'm at Oh Hey There, Mare. I'm at Lale Hanna. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram, subscribe to our newsletter, and join our Women Only Facebook group, which we have spoken praises of uh, in this episode today. Thank you guys both for joining us, and we'll talk to everyone else next week.